welcome to What Else Are We Mad At? The podcast from Bohemia Magazine where we discuss what we're mad at. I'm Elle. I'm E. And Q is busy studying to be even more of a doctor this week. So we're joined by friend of the pod and strictly just the pod, Chris. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm back, everyone. I can't believe you actually said that. I was just like, it would be really funny to make Eileen say something mean about this. <laughs> I just read it straight on, baby. I do what I'm told. <laughs> and my eyebrows went straight up as I read it. He reads whatever you put in front of her. Yep. Like Ron Perkins. Call me a read. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to be back, guys. <laughs> welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. And what a warm welcome. Returning guest. Am I the first returning guest? You are the first returning guest. Oh, Chris. Look at you. Oh, fantastic. Well, we are very, very pleased to have you, Chris. Um, Now, before we dive in, um, we're just going to share a few little uh, community mads. I'm going to stop calling them Insta mads because we source them from not just Instagram. So community mads. Um, All right. Let's see. We have got (laughs) writing in from their their very fervent study bubble. (laughs) Mandatory (laughs) exams costing over £700, says Dr. Q. And I, for one, agree. True. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a flight to America, that is. Sure is. Um, we've got, ooh, ooh, okay, we've got, I was doing the dishes and the faucet burst off the tap and I got soaked. No. <laughs> that is sad. Oh, I'm nice. mad for you. Oh, okay. Um, two more. Uh, one, oh, my bra doesn't fit. I feel you. I've given up long ago on bras. Uh, and finally, we have ooh studio ap- apartments. Boo hiss. Boo. Boo. The worst. The worst. The worst. It's literally just a room. How can you pass that off as an entire property? It is beyond beyond reason. And one I cannot live one. in just a room. Exactly. A room Even if it own. is a room of one's own. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Virginia Wolf, but the world has moved on. <laughs> <laughs> that it has. And well, speaking of uh, literary references, uh, should we start with Chris this week? Because um, <laughs> that's a very nice tie in there. So, mm-hmm. Chris, what else are we mad at? Well, my dearest darling. I am mad at the recent adaptation of Persuasion that dropped onto Netflix <laughs> very, very recently, starring uh, Dakota Johnson, whom we do stand for bringing down Ellen, I suppose. <laughs> but in this right. instance, we do not stand her. I stand nothing about this adaptation. It is an atrocity. <laughs> it is... It is... It's awful. It's just, it's it's simply awful. It is it it, it it shits on everything that Austin ever did, quite frankly. And I am I am I continue and will forever be angry about it. What was so bad about it, Chris? <laughs> All right, so Persuasion, it was the last book that Austin wrote. It mm-hmm. was the last book that was published. It was two of the books that were published after she died by her brother. <laughs> Uh-huh. There was Northanger Abbey and Persuasion, and Persuasion mm. was the one that she had written last. It is in that in that sense, so what they call her most maturely written novel is her writing mm-hmm. and these, the peak of her as a self as a writer. Yeah, it is. Ve- it's, it, it's quite different to all of her other works, isn't it? It like tonally, mm. it's yeah, it's it feels quite different uh, text. It's also because most of the other books she wrote, she revised from things she wrote before eighteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Like which, but, but persuasion seems to have been written fully, started and finished after eighteen eighteen hundred. Yeah, when she was even older, when she died at forty one, which is no age oh. to get rid of even then. But mm-hmm. so she yeah. she wrote it as a she started it as a, a much more grown up adult person than she started the other books. Yeah, and it yeah. really does show. Like you say, it's a book about contemplation about. Melancholy. I've used that word melancholy so much. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, I think your tagline for the essay was because Chris did write a great essay called A Scathing <laughs> Review of Persuasion 2022. <laughs> and his tagline was, Where is the melancholy? Where is it? It's nowhere here. <laughs> I completely oh. agree with you, though, Chris, because like you say, that is very, very much the theme of persuasion. If you were going to describe it in one word, it would be melancholy. Like, that is just it to a T. Oh, it just and like I know one of the things as you were um, as so as Chris was watching it, we were getting a play by play in our group <laughs> chat of all the absolute nonsense <laughs> unfurling on screen. And huge disclaimer here: I still haven't watched it, Yailina. I don't know if you have yet either. Um, no, and, just the book. Yeah, I was gonna say, watch have, yourself, punish yourself. Watch. Yeah, it. I will. I, I will do it. I want to now, having seen your review. Um, yeah. Likewise, have read it like many moons ago. Studied it. Enjoy the book. Um, <laughs> we were getting play by plays from Chris of all the horrendous like attempts, like butchered attempt at like modernizing the text. Oh, like so, yeah. It's it's very much that trend at the moment. So loads of shows have done this. So like what they're what they're very clearly trying to do is replicate the success they've had with Bridgerton where they've introduced, you know, it's a Regency setting. Um, it's, you know, Regency costume. It's like set then, but it's got modern music. It's got modern sensibilities. It's got modern themes. Um, a lot of the attitudes are quite updated and even some of the language as well, like the way that they speak is quite updated and Bridgerton did superbly precisely because it was executed really well and it was executed, mm. you know, it suited the way that the entire thing was constructed and it can be done well um you know we've seen it in like the favorite did it as well um the couple of others you mentioned before the great and um what was the dickinson. other one Dick- yeah dickinson oh. dickinson yeah dickinson. Oh, dickinson. 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 dickinson yes the emily dickinson that one very yes. particularly that very particularly does the sen- the modern sensibilities and languages yeah. they largely talk like they're like they're today yeah, yeah. and most characters apart from some vague when it's plot convenient don't mm-hmm. have like uh, 19th century attitudes they have very yeah. modern 21st century mm. attitudes yeah Which makes exactly. it so digestible for people that aren't like familiar with the source material too yeah exactly and it's like, it's not a bad way to do an adaptation. Like I remember mm. when, um, I remember when the film adaptation, the latest one um, of The Great Gatsby came out and people hated the fact that they used like contemporary music, uh, modern music in it, sorry. Um, because they were like, oh, that's not what they would listen to back then. They wouldn't be listening to Flowrider at a party. They'd be, where's the swing music? And like, in that sense, you're like, all right, pipe down. Like, it's a party song. It's given the vibe of party. Like, it's fine. We understand that. It would not translate to us that swing now. No, no, exactly. Exactly. It doesn't swing in the same way. It doesn't translate in the same way. So it can be done well, but when it's done badly, my God, does it great. And Persuasion is such a good example of that from what we've seen. It jars. It jars. Jars, yeah. darling. It really because <laughs> I say the other thing I think they took a lot of cues from, and I said this in the in the article is Emma twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Which, it, it's almost. I think it goes for almost exactly the same tone of this mm-hmm. very kind of wink to camera look. Sort of, it's very sort of tongue in cheek, which yeah is what Emma the novel is like. Emma is a novel where you go in there and like this is the worst person I've ever met mm. in my entire life. Mm-hmm. When I first read Emma the novel, I had to stop halfway through for a couple of weeks because I just got so annoyed. <laughs> Definitely. So, like, yeah. the film accomplishes that well, but the tone uh-huh. of this Anne Elliot love story is absolutely not supposed yeah. to be tongue in cheek. I thought it was very serious. And to see these screen grabs rent, like, there's all these screen grabs that are so ridiculous with all this, like, anachronistic or, like, you know, contemporary language. I think, Chris, you called it, like, the flea bagification of, uh, yeah. like, the protagonist of, like, the female, like, just this like sardonic ironic like isn't everything just a joke and i'm like i hate that so much that is just mm. so that just scratches against me in such a horrid like it's not even that it wouldn't work if it were if persuasion were modernized they just no, it could modernized it as pers- persuasion yeah mm, yeah you're right because there was some kind of saying oh it, uh, nothing has to be exactly the same as the book people say well it, it's the point between being faithful to a book isn't about adapting everything scene for scene for shot yeah. for shot. It's about adapting the spirit. You're right. Yeah, the definitely. Because I, agree. This, I will say this film version of Persuasion, in terms of what happens, like scene for scene, is quite faithful to the book. Mm. It is mostly <laughs> the same. It hits the same exact story beats, like beat for beat. 
it just doesn't the tone is just completely not there yeah which which is worse like i would way rather they take liberties with the plot and like have the tone of it on point because then you can be like all right well forgive that because it still it felt very like you know it felt like the experience of the of the book but when the experience is all wrong and they've still done the story beat for beat that's (laughs) yeah that's uh (laughs) and elliot in the book it's not she's not a sarcastic person she doesn't Mm -mm. make witty she doesn't do witty repartee and asides thing not in the way that other (laughs) some other austin heroines do but Mm. they have tried to make it i think that it probably comes from a misguided effort to give her more agency Mm. term which i think misinterprets about just because anne elliott's book is quite quiet and soft-spoken and doesn't like Mm. voice her opinion very much that isn't weak when it when push comes to shove she's a very She's probably the most capable and level-headed Austin heroine there is. Mm-hmm. Because in that scene where uh, Louisa has her fall and hits her head, she takes charge of the situation. Yeah, she yeah. sorts out things when she needs. To, so she is the most the most capable heroine Austin has. But they haven't they haven't made her that way. <laughs> no, instead she says shit like he's a ten. I do not trust a ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then this other line i see that chris pulled now we're strangers worse than strangers we're exes and i just think this like speaks to like a cultural appetite that like film big film tm assumes that we have about like women characters like we just want to see like insufferable like tongue-in-cheek sarcastic like no sincerity like characters and i don't know where that comes from like i don't know it's, like every, everything must be done with a dash of irony yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's just what so irony poisoned if yeah. what people think modernizing a classic text is is you have to be like self-referential in some degree and be and sort of do this whole oh, ho, ho, look at how they used mm. to think back in the oldie times sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's really what is that? <laughs> you know i would really be interested to see a well done like a properly well done like actual proper attempt at modernizing persuasion because i think it's a really really interesting story and it is so different to her under other novels mm. and so grown up as we've discussed um I one that's done well, I think could be really, really good. Um, I, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, you could probably modernize persuasion like that because it's not even really based on weird things like weird entails of estates and mm. sort of gentry. All it is is basically many years ago, the people your close family convinced you not to pursue this relationship with somebody for shallow reasons. And yeah, yeah that's it. Simple plan, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> and you can you can transpose that into a modern setting incredibly easily. I would, yeah, that I would is think. super simple. That is like a ten- universal, <laughs> timeless. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. comes again from I think the other phrase I used in the article was the Lizzie benefication. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think because I said because Pride and Prejudice is so popular and enduring, and it's what everyone thinks of when they think Austin. That's mm. what everyone thinks an Austin heroine should be. It should be like Lizzie yeah. Bennett, who is headstrong and. <laughs> Right. Sorry, I'm, I'm just remembering during lockdown, uh, you know, when they were showing all those theatre things in lockdown, all these yes. stage yes. recordings. One of them was a musical version of Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> which I think was done oh, no. somewhere in, in in America, in one of the New England oh, states. No. Oh, no. How was it? Did and, you see it? <laughs> well, because one of the songs I remember was just, was just a little... Lizzie just singing a song that went, I'm headstrong. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh, man. Where every, like, the first few cope. scenes were just her every time one of the other characters spoke going, my sister, Mary, that's my sister. Like, that was how they introduced the characters. It was really bad. And you could tell an American wrote it, no offense. <laughs> no, I'm not taken. I, I don't think we should be touching Austin. That's what's wrong with this persuasion. I'm sure an American that never read persuasion well, you know, was Dakota like, I Johnson. think... <laughs> right, yeah, is American. You know, <laughs> I mean, oh, sorry, she is no longer everyone's favorite nepotism baby. Maya Hawke is now everyone's <laughs> favorite yeah. nepotism baby post Stranger Things. Oh yes. Oh gosh, what else? Are you, what are you really mad at though, Chris? I know the persuasion's been on your mind a lot, and we've just talked about <laughs> it, but surely there's got to be something else simmering under the skin there. Well, you know, speaking of youthful regrets. Uh, I'm mad at at teenagers. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Specifically, teenagers during the summer holiday. You have nothing better to do than to just come into public places and just 
be awful. Be teenagers. So awful. <laughs> it's like, and I think because I work in a very, I work in a very public facing job in a place where people can just wander into in a community space, and uh, I've just the last few days on a trot, I've had to deal with the same teenagers being just horrendous really mean and nasty <laughs> and calling me every swear word under the sun oh no no <laughs> and just and like d- d- disturbing all the other people in there and then we have to kick them out and then clo- lock the doors on them and then they're banging on the doors trying oh to jesus why are they trying to break into these sp- it also makes me wonder I'm like what are these feral teenagers doing out in well, these community spaces as well like, don't they have films to be watching <laughs> Because I am, I am mad at them and annoyed at them, but I guess I'm more mad at the fact that probably there is nothing else for them to do. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that I guess fair. Sort of the, the the community infrastructure is such that when they're not in school, there's no other community spaces for them to go to. Where there's nothing to, yeah, nowhere nothing to, to nowhere to channel all that energy yeah. <laughs> no. no and all that community rage. projects to get to <laughs> in the. So just think. So so many of these, you know, these young people are let de- are being let down by society, and consequently, it's letting down everyone else. And consequently, <laughs> it's really pissing you off. I am very very mad at it. <laughs> so, oh my flower, what else are we mad at? Oh, Chris. Well, many things. I actually struggled to settle on one this week, so I've got quite a few things I'm mad <laughs> This week, she's a salty bitch. Um, but <laughs> what I settled... <laughs> Wait, just this week? Um, this... <laughs> what I settled on was... Sorry, I just had to get a nice uh, self-lead in there. Um, so, um, I want to know why every other social media pl- uh, platform under the sun is uh, trying to be other social media platforms namely why why in particular is instagram so hell-bent intent on becoming tiktok i would love to know they this has been going on for a while it's not even just really a recent thing um as i was looking into it um for this um section i realized that um i had completely forgotten about um when they introduced stories that was a that was a steal over from snapchat when they introduced um the shop functions that was a, a, a crossover from facebook which makes more sense because obviously facebook owns instagram and has done since 2012 um so like Instagram has got a history of this thing of like trying to like keep up and like take from elsewhere and you know let us not forget its humble origins as a photo sharing app with all those very very grainy filters where you could barely actually see the 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 image but the point was that it was like a living photo album and like it was your little space on the internet that you could carve out like you could trade little snapshots of your life like keep up to date with people that you love and like Mm. also the ones that you've been weirdly stalking since secondary school (laughs) and uni but like like now the newest update for instagram you barely even get exposed to your friends profiles anymore so there are a few main points in this main update which i should probably list out because i'm going to end up talking across them quite um quite sort of laterally uh because they do all feed into each other so the main the main one that people are talking about and people are angry about is the way that uh, the platform is starting to prioritize and even in the way that the interface works and even in the way that the the basic functionality works is prioritizing video and is prioritizing in particular their reels, uh, which is the closest thing that Instagram has to TikTok. It's the bite size, short um, videos that you can remix. And they've just introduced the reaction video thing, which is like what TikTok was like started um, on. Um it is very, it's it's also trialing the full screen thing. So if you've ever seen the interface of TikTok, the entire screen of your phone is the video and then the icons are overlaid over it. Um, and you scroll through, um, you scroll down to, um, to get through the content. Um, they are, they've just trialed that in this new update. So it's heavily, 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 heavily visually and from a user perspective and yet a user experience perspective is mimicking TikTok. Um, the other thing it started doing more so over the past little while 
more and more of your newsfeed, you'll have noticed, and your stories are placed ads, recommended accounts, and things that pop up and say like, "Oh, um, here's an account um, that you might like," because it's similar to posts you've liked. I think is the phrase they say, um, and they just place them in your feed seamlessly, um, and you'll see, you know, you'll see them, and you go, "Do I follow this person?" Oh no, I don't. It's po- it's posts like the ones that I've liked. Okay, um, and before you know it, you can you can spend several minutes scrolling through your feed and not see a single post from somebody that you know um and this has been made worse by the latest update where your default screen is like a discover page the same way that tiktok works where it shows you things at random tries to guess what you like and puts it in front of you so it's trying to pivot away from this really really nostalgic photo book app that people use in quite a personal um, and like, yeah, just like quite a personal way is pivoting towards this entertainment portal, I guess, that is no better, no worse than TikTok. It's trying to be TikTok, but doing it badly because it's kind of clunky. Um, and there's just no need. There is just no need. Um, and I'm mad at that. I realize I've just been ranted quite a bit about that just to give you all the download no, no, on it. But, on. <laughs> but it, there is no need because... There's already a platform that does that, right? Even like, I'm not an idiot and I'm not an idiot. And also I work in marketing. I understand (laughs) that there is a need for products and in particular tech products to keep innovating, keep up with the time, stay relevant. No, you know, obviously that happens. Things, you know, things develop, they try and improve them all the time. They add new features. That's just the nature of stuff. Um, But what they don't need to do is morph themselves into something else entirely that is so far removed from their original purpose that it fully alienates all the users of the original purpose that were there for that purpose and can no longer use it in that way. All you're doing there is throwing off the people that use you already and they'll slowly trickle out. And the ones that do want to use a platform like the one that you're trying to create already use the one that already exists that does it better. So there's simply... There's just simply no winning there. The, the thing is that um, Facebook did it um, like really well, though, like famously. Like yes. They, they, it was like that kind of very personal thing. And then they have then like morphed into this giant thing that does everything. It's like a, it's a marketplace. You watch videos, you get your news source from there and everything. And like they're the biggest social media platforms so like it's mm-hmm. worked for this one app and they're all trying it particularly instagram because they're like obviously owned by the same parent company and just trying yeah. to replicate it but that's the that's almost more bizarre about it because like facebook um well meta now i guess is the, the, <laughs> name the you know the parent one which is disgusting <laughs> disgustingly named um is like because it's had that success already with facebook it's the same parent company. You would assume that they know how to develop a platform out well because they did it with Facebook and they're doing such a shoddy job of doing it with Instagram that it kind of, I don't know, it's kind of, yeah, I don't know, just overwhelming, I guess. (laughs) It's just very weird. Very, very weird to me. And yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, I can see easily how this could make instagram become a bit of a sort of like graveyard social media platform like myspace is obviously like completely gone it's long dead facebook is now kind of just the place your family members argue (laughs) on like not news stories um yeah it's um yeah it's a weird old weird old guy and it will eventually become obsolete Piggybacking on what you're saying, Elle, about Instagram being a graveyard, I want to chime in about Facebook. So back to my research, I'm reading (laughs) this great book called The Future of the Corpse, which is a study. It's like a collection of studies on um, like future methods and urban planning and like what um, basically like future grave sites and memorial sites will look like. And I was reading this great essay um, by Candy Han, which what a great name who's also <laughs> with my publisher <laughs> i know it's c-a-n-d-i and then c-a-n-n that's really her name <laughs> and um she wrote about um like digital memorial spaces on facebook and like literally places like instagram and facebook are becoming digital 
graveyards and Instagram mm. with this video thing, like, first of all, it's going to push the, you know, the loyalists off the off the app. And so it's just going to bring in like, you know, the 14 year old TikTok users. But mm-hmm. then Facebook, literally most of the users are over the age of 50. So in 20 years, it really will just be people writing comments mm. in others' walls being like, wow, miss you, Susie. Wish you weren't dead. Mm. Um, digital graveyards, everybody. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> Instagram is this 20th cent, early 20th century business. And he's like, these moving pictures are going to be the next big thing, Frankie. <laughs> We've got to yes. get on board with this. And I'm like, this is what? <laughs> oh, man. I, guess I hate we it. live and die at the mercy of the algorithm, I suppose. Yeah, seems so. Seems so. <laughs> the algorithm is, like, never good either. So, like, well, I guess for the most part, algorithms are right. But um, So one of the recommended posts I had recently was that suddenly a picture of... Um, Jacob Reese Smog at the cricket with his son appeared on my fit feed. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is that doing on there? And so I looked, I scrolled up to the top where it says why it's on there. And it was like, um, we're showing you this because you follow this person. And, and the person that it was following was like some friend of a friend that I first followed. <laughs> Both got photos in bikini. So weird. <laughs> so like, you like you like this person in a bikini a lot. You'd like Jacob Reese Mock. <laughs> oh god, I, I think that's so t- funny. I think my TikTok thinks I'm a lesbian because it, <laughs> I always nice. get like I always get like videos that just seem to be themed around. Oh, girls! I love my girlfriend, and it's all all these like sapphic themes. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this so is nice, nice, but you do get like, <laughs> I'm a bisexual man here. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, TikTok is making me question. <laughs> That's so funny. The Speaking- only feature. Oh, go ahead. No, you no, no, you carry on. <laughs> I was going to say the only feature I like from TikTok since I have unwillingly unwill- downloaded it per Q's like absolute demand um, <laughs> is that you can just see what your only your friends are. Like there's a little feed of like just your friends. And like that's mm. the only thing I watch. Like I have not yet exposed myself to the explore page or the algorithm. I feel too overwhelmed by it. And I, and I really so do, do hate I. the feature of like my phone being fully. And it's yeah. also such a like um, assault on the sound senses. Like I hate all the sounds i hate Mm. how big it is i think that just like my type of neurotypical like or neurodivergence does not like enjoy like the current wave of social media and so it's really made me like move from it and i really think i'm finally of that age where i'm like oh god maybe i will archive all my photos on instagram and just be offline which sounds really nice (laughs) Mm. i i used to use i know (laughs) I used to be quite a regular user of Instagram, but I can go multiple days at a time without even opening the app these days. Yeah. Like just not mm-hmm. even at all, which is, I could, you know, just nuts. Though. Which is why it's got to innovate to bring you back in. <laughs> See? <laughs> you see? It's trying oh, to get no, you. but it's innovating the wrong way. Well, it's making you not want to go. The law of capitalism is that the constant pursuit of growth and like more more money yeah, more subscribers more users will, call every, will cause everything to inevitably collapse under its own hubris <laughs> that's the I problem with capitalism is, is you cannot be satisfied with what you have netflix yeah. can be satisfied with having loads of so poured all its money into <laughs> content and then lost subscribers because it lost quality and mm, yeah that's true it's the same rule everything's yeah, bad I just say what like what you were saying, producer Jake, about you first follow some account on the social media and eventually end up down, down a bit of a rabbit hole. Because I, I, I first followed a TikTok account a couple of months back, and now I think I've been slowly radicalized into pro Welsh independence. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think I followed this guy going, great. Oh, this girl's cute. She's speaking Welsh. And now I'm like, Yeah, what else could survive on its own? Like, all, all, the, all the numbers add up, guys. It's, it's all here. It's, Wow. You'll have to chew my ear off about that sometime. I want to know about it. Mine keeps, my um my new MacBook keeps thinking. It keeps doing it through Google and my social media with the location thing. When I go on Google Maps or Google Search, you know, it does that like, oh, like we've localized your Google experience. It, it always thinks I'm in Turkey or Thailand. 
<laughs> and it's the same spot. It's the same oh, spot in both no. of those places. It's really weird. So I'm maybe who knows? Maybe I'll be off. radicalized into some weird shit from someone hacking me from their basement in one of those places. Who My knows? My scary thing uh, is that uh, whenever uh, next it's week, a- do you know who's cute? Erdogan. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) What's your scary thingy? Oh, whenever I look up like weather in insert city that I live in, uh, when I scroll to the bottom of my Google result, just on like the first page on my iPhone, it mm-hmm. always has the name of my city in Russian Cyrillic letters. And I'm like, what's this? Ooh. <laughs> I'm like, how is, what's happening? And Chan's like, oh yeah, sometimes it just does that. And I'm like, sometimes it just does that. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, oh no. So I don't know. <laughs> That's sometimes i just see something scary on the internet and i just turn off my phone and i'm like that's more than i need to know <laughs> that's enough internet for today baby <laughs> also to like give it the algorithm of a sort yourself out algorithm moment i don't know how many more harry potter videos i need to say not interested in before it will stop showing oh, me yeah. harry potter videos <laughs> why is it even being marketed in this day of our lord why are people doing harry potter harry potter cosplay tiktoks in 2022 oh, gross. <laughs> put them in the bin oh they that's don't belong so bad. There. have Disgusting. you all seen that quidditch has rebranded to something that's, that's quad ball wasn't it <laughs> what Amazing. ew disgusting but i'm glad they've broken tie apparently they like and i i didn't find this information out like uh, of my own accord against my will again these <laughs> things always come up in my news feed and and it was something from like i think them magazine was like yeah quad ball and you know Oh, they're really breaking free. Just like my brother in Christ. It is 2022. <laughs> I don't want to read this anymore. because Warner Brothers owns the copyright and they can't get any sponsorship um, from anything about giving all the money to Warner Brothers. <laughs> of course it's Rally. about money. So, of course so, it's about money. So they, they kind is. of tried to brand it as being like, yeah, because we hate JK Rowling. But really <laughs> yeah. it's so that they can get advertising money. <laughs> I just didn't know that people actually played it in like the quite quote serious oh, yeah. athletes and with the broomstick between there. It's really there. big in like the American universities, isn't it? Like, I guess leagues? so. That's really funny. Yeah, there's like two competing leagues. That's how big it is. Like like rugby league and rugby union sort of thing. How do people, grown-ups, in (laughs) earnestness... (laughs) (laughs) It's the broomstick for me. I'm like, everything else kind of makes sense. But also, like, how are you doing this? I think the the version life doesn't have broomsticks. It's like, they call it muggle quidditch. So it's like they run around instead i see no but don't they stick a broom between their legs and run with a broom didn't i see what, a picture what, of that i've what, seen that i've seen it done that way of one's own. <laughs> <laughs> you're right again too much for me to know i will just simply operate in ignorance which is where i prefer to live oh yes me too and just to wrap up my little segment i would just like to leave you all with the information that uh instagram is also soon introducing NFTs. So there's <gasps> that. And those are still flying around. So I can't fun, fun, fun. fun. NFTs are still a thing. Yeah, I know. Madness, right? I thought they'd uh, I thought they'd crashed. Um but anyway, um <laughs> do you know what I'm really mad at? <laughs> what? what? So <laughs> something happened to me earlier today when I was on the bus home from town. And I don't think this is really a mad at. This is more an embarrassed at. Um, but my bag really did me dirty. So I was like rummaging around and it was like a really full bus. Um, and I managed to get this seat next to this person. And I was like rummaging around in my bag trying to find my headphones. And I kind of like in amongst the fact that I was trying, you know, when you're sat next to someone, you're trying to like not elbow them as you like take your jacket off and like, you know, your bag <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And like, you- there's someone in front of you and I was on the back. So I was like directly opposite someone in amongst all of that. I kind of dropped my rucksack and I was like, ah, fuck, <gasps> like picked it up. A few things fell out, like, you know, packet tissues. Um, can't remember what else. And amongst other things, um, an item that I had forgotten to remove from my bag when I went to a date's house recently and I knocked insignificantly sized steel butt plug rolled <laughs> <laughs> rolled out from my bag in, <laughs> unceremoniously I'm sure unceremoniously 
nicely and it was just at the moment that the bus was pulling away from the stop and it went flying right down the aisle rolling all the way through the bus oh wow I'm so sorry I like looked at I would bear about I sat directly opposite this like old lady minding her own business. Next to her is some like mum with a kid like this behaving. Oh, this is inside and the bus. Inside the bus. Oh, inside no. the bus. And, and, and they all watched it roll past. It's got a great big jewel on the end of it, so it was like catching the light, rolling past all these people. Could you? Did you pretend it wasn't yours, or did you just like I smile can- and be like honest? I'm not well, ashamed. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the loud ah fuck as I dropped my bag was the giveaway, followed by the crash of the steel onto the floor, and then the very loud, loud roll. I know. And this like very great, like, very like nice looking like granddad guy just picked it up at the end and handed it to me and said, There you did go, it, dear. Oh my it, god. Did it roll all the way to the rear? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your nice. suggestion. Oh, I enjoyed God. that. What's the uh, protocol for that? I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I'll just clean this up, put this back in the. I'm like, I, I feel like I would have just left it on the bus. That's between the bus and God. You're not really bottomed out, man. Yeah. Sounds like. Oh, sorry, Al. It sounds like you really were the butt of that joke. <laughs> uh, that's the I funniest was... thing that's ever happened to you. I can't I was... believe Q's missing this. <laughs> I was very much just going to let it roll off into the abyss, but then the nice man handed it back to me as I got off the bus of my <laughs> Out of the two places it's been now, I think the floor of the bus is probably the less hygienic. Yeah. Did he have any sort of glint of recognition when he handed it to no, you? No, he looked that's very... E- that's ve- even better. That's I'm nice. Not- <laughs> <laughs> he must have just been like, oh, look at this nice piece of jewellery. <laughs> this is for you, darling. Don't know what this is. Don't need to know. <laughs> I, I love you so much. Please always travel with your various accoutrements on the bus. Later <laughs> on, just my- like... Later on, he's just like, I could have sworn I washed my hands. <laughs> it's not a used butt plug in my bag, Bolog. Come on. <laughs> oh, okay. So, E, what else are we mad at? So, I am mad at the misinformation that is being presented in the media about monkeypox. So, yeah, really scary stuff. Being essentially monkeypox being like marketed as like the new gay disease of our generation. So we millennials um, would be too young to have remembered sort of the propaganda surrounding HIV and AIDS being a strictly gay disease. disease um so i feel like that's how this is happening in the public now um we have to like look to our queer elders to see like oh my gosh all these overwhelming parallels like of um how the new monkeypox pandemic is being framed as um something that is spread only between uh two men having sex so i'm going to give you guys a couple a couple of different things first i'm going to tell you about what monkeypox is then I'm going to tell you about the GLAD organization, and then I'm going to tell you about what the misinformation is looking like. So in case you have been under a rock this week, which I was, um, monkeypox has just been declared a global health emergency by the WHO. Um, just heard that on the radio yesterday, and I was standing in like the same spot I was when I heard about it. Uh, the COVID pandemic. And I'm like, I got to stop listening to the radio. (laughs) This is just too much. NPR is killing me. Um, 
So monkeypox, according to the CDC, is a rare disease caused by infection of the monkeypox virus. Monkeypox is part of the same family of viruses as smallpox. Monkeypox symptoms are similar to smallpox, but milder. Monkeypox is rarely fatal. Monkeypox is not related to chickenpox. The symptoms can include fever, headache, muscle aches, backache, swollen lymph nodes, chills, exhaustion, um, a rash that can look like pimples or blisters that appear on the face, inside the mouth, or in other parts of the body. Um, illness lasts typically two to four weeks. And you can read more about what it looks like and how the treatment uh, works on the CDC or WHO. Um, so um, it is like any other pox <laughs> um, spread through close personal and often skin to skin contact, um, which is not excluded you know, to strictly sex. But um, because it, when it spread to the U.S., um, populations of like mostly like the LGBTQ community seem to be um, like the the broad or like the population where it's most densely concentrated. Um, it spread like wildfire on social media that this was strictly like uh, a queer disease, um, which is so dangerous um, the stigmatization mm-hmm. is so dangerous and it makes it so that folks who um, like people think that they probably don't have it um, when it's actually like common and easy to get. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I did not know this, that GLAD actually was started. G-L-A-A-D was actually started to combat media misinformation during the AIDS crisis mm-hmm. Um so I was doing some research because I was like, okay, uh, you know, we all watched Rent, <laughs> but I don't remember like, like we, you know, growing up in the nineties, I, I don't remember anything like surrounding like the AIDS scare really. Um, and so seeing like queer elders online talk about like, oh, here we go again. Um, I'm like, shit, this is our moment to step in and, and like, just make sure that misinformation isn't spread, especially in the U.S. right now, where there is a massive gay panic happening. And so all of this stigmatization of monkeypox is being tied into the moral gay panic. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's like the responsibility of media organizations to elevate information that all communities need to hear in order to be safe. And noting that this virus can spread to anyone, anywhere, through plo- close personal and skin-to-skin contact. Um, children are catching it now. There's a couple of reported cases in California and New York State, um, uh, which, so which is like, okay, like as the numbers start to increase of monkeypox cases, and you can track the numbers at the cdc.gov, um, it's just like, it's clear to see that this is not limited to just queer communities. Um, yeah. So I, this kind of came into my awareness just on Twitter of seeing articles from the Associated Press and New York Times um, with like uh, taglines such as uh, there have been more than a 60. This is from the New York Times. I'm looking at a tweet that says there have been more than 16,000 cases in 75 countries, overwhelmingly among men who have sex with men. Um that phrasing men who have sex with men um, just immediately stigmatizes this in the eyes of the mainstream public who think that they are going to be immune to this. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. That, and I places- that, that is like the official medical phrasing. Is, is it is, used- but there's, but why even include that when, it, yeah, like Eileen just said, it makes you go, it, it, oh, it I'm does. not, yeah, I'm not a man, I'm not who, has a man, man. who has sex with men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so luckily the who, like, luckily the who, luckily who. So funny. I know. I always forget to say WHO. WHO <laughs> is cautioning against this complacency because this idea that it's concentrated just among gay and bisexual communities, um, in the earliest detection is just like patently false. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I don't know if we need to even be afraid of it yet. Like in terms of like, Oh God. I mean, sidebar from the whole like gay panic of it all. Remember in early days of COVID being like, Oh, 
shall we panic? <laughs> I'm like, when do I need to start panicking? Um, yeah. you know, am I, do I need to start masking? Is that even going to help? I don't know. This is where I derail from giving you all the facts and figures and just swirling into like Eileen's afraid moment. So I've been looking to, um, my favorite virologist, um, who has this amazing essay, a book of essays. Wait, let me grab it. Um, called Virology Essays for the Living, the Dead, and the Small Things in Between. And it came out mm. before the monkeypox-like thing. But he does... Uh, oh, and the, the author's called Joseph Osmundson. I don't quite know how to pronounce his last name, but it's spelled O-S-M-U-N-D-S-O-N. And yeah, he talks about the, like, the gay panic around uh, the AIDS crisis and virus. Um, and also uh, talks about like living with COVID. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything brilliant to say other than it's scary and I'm tired of the gays being put in the crosshairs of every uh, medical crisis that happens in the West. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. It's all our fault, guys. It's all our yeah. fault. It's all us. I guess that, that gay HIV stigma is still barely even gone. Yeah, exactly. Only, I think that's how like, pervasive it in is. In the UK, it was only like last, last year, this year, they changed the laws on... Again, one hates the phrase, but men who have sex with men mm, uh, donating mm-hmm. blood. Yeah, it's, oh, it's I forgot been, about that. It's of now course. been changed to having anybody like it used to be that even like gay men who were in monogamous relationships, gay men, sexual men with, with other men who were in monogamous relationships with other men regularly having sex couldn't give couldn't give blood. It had to be you had could not have had sex a man you could not have had sex with another man within the last it was six months and then they changed it to three, I think, mm. and then now it's just regardless of i think gender setup and next up yeah. it's all just like if you've been if you've had anal sex in the mm. with more than two with two separate people in the last three months you can't give blood yeah it's what it which is still not great as a law but because we have yeah. with the screening that we have available technology now you think it shouldn't be an issue we can just screen everything properly You'd think. Do you know the weird? The weirdest thing here is. Well, I mean, this this might just be me <laughs> personally. I didn't even know monkeypox was a thing until Eileen said that she was going to talk about it today on the podcast. I had absolutely. I'd seen the phrase like batting around, and I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. Like, it, maybe that's the thing that's been around forever. No idea that was new. So yeah, I don't know what that says about me or the media I consume or what, but uh, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe the US is panicking more about it than uh, yeah. the There's so. been a certain amount of panic in London. There was news about there's been, there was a lot of panic about um, outbreaks in London in the, in the media I've seen floating around here. Mm. I think yeah, vaccines are just now available in London. They're on, they're available in the U.S. pretty much just in like New York and California. Um, again, if you're listening to this and you don't live in those states, check out what the CDC has to say about vaccinations. Our fam, like our parents' generation, were vaccinated for the small for smallpox in the U.S. Um, and so they don't need the vaccinations. But m- the millennial and Gen Z generations would not have been vaccinated for smallpox in the U.S. So we are more um, vulnerable to that. How? What about in the UK? Were you guys vaccinated for smallpox ever? I don't I think so. But we got me remember. I don't know, but we do get chickenpox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apparently, this is unrelated to the chickenpox. Which, by oh, the way, okay. I've never had chickenpox, which makes me a little bit worried. Um, mm. Anyway. Well, I have. <laughs> I've got various poxes upon us all, I suppose. <laughs> I've got a little chicken pox scar on my forehead. Oh, you sweetie. I do. Next Aww. time I see you, I'll point it out to you. Yeah. I, I really cannot remember what I was vaccinated against as a child. I'm sure my, I think if I asked my mum, my mum would probably like, I don't know either. I can't remember. It's years ago. <laughs> I have had the unfortunate experience of getting caught up on childhood vaccines in my adulthood. Oh, no. Um, I still have a few left. Yeah, it just um, where I grew up, vaccination was just like not as closely monitored. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot that I was missing. But from what I understand, the public messaging about monkeypox in the UK has been very uh, focused towards they're gay and bisexual men oh has it i think before they had it ready there was a brief so there was a brief period of quite a lot of encouragement of um abstinence sort of like temporary oh, wow. they were they were they were pushing they were pushing some like sort of temporary stop having sex for for a bit in <laughs> like particularly in the areas of london but it was getting quite concentrated in 
Jesus. And it's not an STI. It's famously not an STI either, which is what's so crazy. (laughs) And there was something I just saw the other day about, like, there was some headline saying about, oh, gay men crash booking sites or something in the rush to, (laughs) rather than, you know, like, men take responsibility for their for their health and health of yeah. those around them. And Rather, the infrastructure the not supporting is, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. And it's just this continued moral <laughs> yeah, so there, we are so susceptible to moral panics as a society. There is, there is the, that vaccine, the uh, smallpox brackets, monkeypox variant vaccine available. And it's basically only if you're like in one of the groups considered likely to get it so healthcare workers who are caring for or about to start caring for monkeypox patients um gay bisexual and other men who have sex with men uh, and people who have already had close contact um mm, to get the okay. vaccine because it like it starts off as a small thing in your skin and spreads so apparently mm. getting a vaccine after contact but those are the only people who can get it at the moment yeah, so the vaccine is not even widely available yet, which is, well, remember when the COVID vaccine wasn't widely available at all, I'm, at least in the U.S., the rollout was ridiculous. And I had friends that were only getting the shot because they had wealthy family members who knew people. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Jesus. And then Jennifer and I were able to get it like mm, fairly early on just because we work in the public uh, like education. Um, but even then... Yeah, so I'm just like waiting for America to shit the bed on this pandemic as well. And just kind of, you know, having like this psychological like what's it's of just sitting with, okay, a second pandemic is ongoing and my life just has to continue. It's just an outbreak right now. It's only an outbreak is what we're officially (laughs) calling it. It's not even an epidemic yet. So we're fine. fine. (laughs) Yeah, let's keep telling ourselves that outbreak, outbreak, outbreak. No, you're right. You're right. Oh, so anyway, that's what I'm mad at, but what I'm really mad at, just distracting myself with a lot of media lately, um, as you all know, (laughs) just ever, ever such a reader. Um, I just saw the film adaptation of one of my favorite novels and was really happy to see this uh, film because it's one of my favorite books is called where the crawdad sings by Delia yeah, Owens yeah. Um, and saw the film loved the movie. It was very sweet. It was like kind of an elevated hallmark film. <laughs> it's very sentimental, beautiful, lots of sweeping landscapes of uh, the American South, blah, blah, blah. Um, so there is, there was a quite a scandal that came about with the author, which I was familiar with. Um, so Delia Owens was a is a naturalist, a biologist, and the author of this novel, Where the Crawdad Sings. However, <laughs> her um, ex-husband um, was involved and is still embroiled in a scandal um, in, I believe it's Zambia, for killing he and his son, uh, murdering a poacher and oh hiding and covering up the murder in the same fashion, allegedly, as is the murder scene is depicted in the novel where the crawdad <gasps> sing. Oh, so no. I'm oh Delia, Delia, Delia. So I'm mad that I didn't know about that until after I'd fallen in love with this book, in love with the author, loved the film, and um, just trying to, you know, ever distance myself from controversy from the things that I love. Um, so there's a great deep dive about this in, gosh, let me find it. I just had this up. Delia Owens scandal. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Where if was the? If your husband's done a murder, here's an idea: don't write about it in excruciating detail. I know <laughs> it's really crazy. Very uh, big, oh, it's in the Atlantic. <laughs> yes, it's wild. Yeah. So if you've read the the book, you'll know how the murder is covered up, yeah. and I don't want to spoil it. Um, but there's an halfway article through, halfway through. <laughs> oh yeah, no, exactly. Um, there's a great article in the Atlantic written by what's his name jeff and i'll link it um in the description jeffrey goldberg he uh did reporting on this uh on this like mystery uh 10 years back um when this happened because basically um there was an american news outlet that accidentally filmed it live when they were making a documentary the abc um abc in the u.s there was a news magazine show called turning point and they featured a documentary about american conservationists and this was back in the 90s and 
And the documentary was called Deadly Game, the Mark and Delia Owen story. And Diane Sawyer, who's like an American paragon in like media, um, they filmed this in uh, the South Central African nation of Zambia. And uh, they were like, yeah, anyway, uh, we're here to save the elephants. Accidentally caught a murder on screen and fucking aired it in american television oh my and god so this what journalist i know and this journalist who was uh, an editor at the atlantic um interviewed them and was like oh yeah don't know what that was about how weird and then 10 years later came back and it was like right so your novel is this like a confession <laughs> but because the crime happened overseas and zambia doesn't have the power to like extradite these americans like it's just yeah anyway so it's a mess so, so i'm mad they, at they <laughs> murdered the, wait so what they murdered the poacher because the poacher was poaching elephants yeah what? these yeah these american so basically these american conservationists came into this village in zambia and started kind of ruling it militarily and employing locals in zambia to be a part of their like anti-poaching thing, which like I get it, like fuck poachers, but also don't be a white American coming to Africa and just like murdering locals for trying to make a living. <laughs> um, so when you watch the film and read the novel and then hear about the story, you come to realize that this author, Delia Owens, is very much the type of biologist that like privileges animal life above human nature and human life. Um Ugh. You know, just because of like the wanton like murder of various poachers in the name of, uh, you know, conservation and also to the whole colonial, the, the colonialism of it all, the white Americans coming in. Yeah. So. Gross. Yeah, so that sucks because the book is just beautifully oh, the written. Book is lovely. <laughs> I'm it's gorgeous. Language, gorgeous description, darling. <laughs> I mean, just one of my favorite novels, but I'm like, wow, anytime I look into anything at all, I'm like, everything is horrible um, and toxic. We are now living through the Daisy Edgar Jones re Renaissance. Is she? Oh, yeah. How lovely. Oh, lovely. Anyway, go see the so movie, good. I guess. Yes. <laughs> you know, read these weird articles. I don't know what else to say. I remember, kind of in a kids, weird time. If your husband murders someone, don't write it into a book. <laughs> and write in the cover-up as well. Yeah, so, well, okay, I don't want to spoil it, but Christy and I will talk <laughs> offline about, about it. It's just, it's kind mm -hmm. of insane. It was kind of a one-for-one, one, like, confession, really. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, her, did, her hus did her husband know that she'd done this or did, did he read it after it was published and was like Delia oh no what have you done Delia. <laughs> this is beyond the pale yeah and I remember at first Q messaging the chat and being like didn't her husband kill someone? I was like, oh, no, that was her ex-husband. And uh, wait, what? And then I looked into it and was like, oh, man, I hate when Q is right. Because <laughs> Q just relishes so much in being like, that thing you like, I'm shitting on it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to let her have this. And then I was like, oh, no, this is this is really bad, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Q, let us enjoy the Dungeons and Dragons movie trailer. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Can you tell you what else I'm really mad at? Peter the Great. So you're like, oh, I am going to found the Russian Empire. Well, good for you. Yeah, but now look where we are. Like 340 years down the line. I'll be all sorts of trouble. Gas is going to be cut off. Europe is not going to have gas. All because you wanted to be an emperor instead of just a czar. Czar means emperor. It's the last bit of Caesar, for fuck's sake. Whoa, like, whoa, whoa. Hold on. <laughs> You've been going on a lot about what makes you mad. But it's important to remember that there's plenty of reasons to be glad, too. You know what? You're right, producer Jake. You're always right. God damn you. What are you glad at, E? Oh, Chris, I'm so glad that you asked. See, I, on my little summer break, have just been devouring novels as I want to do. And I just finished over the weekend a gorgeous debut called Sirens and Muses by Antonia Angres. Uh, this marvelous piece of literary fiction about four artists drawn into a web of rivalry and desire at this art school. Um, it's 2011 and it's peak recession and Occupy Wall Street and at this fancy schmancy art college uh, students are creating art mm. in this you know this bubble of elitism and 
uh, throughout that time, we see them start to pull away from the academy and have to uh, deal with what the New York art world was during Occupy Wall Street, um, what it was like to be an American college Ooh. student during the Deep Recession. Um, and also there's a sweet lesbian love story, <laughs> which I love. Uh, it's so, I'm like, finally, actually, the author would probably say bisexual love story, but I will reclaim it for the lesbians. Um, it was so lovely. The prose was amazing. Um, it's definitely my favorite book I've read this year, um, which is saying a lot because I've read a lot. Um, you have. And it's just this amazing oh, novel. Yay. So I DM'd the <laughs> author on Instagram and told her how much I loved it. And then we had a little chat and that was nice. <laughs> yeah. You're networking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw that one of Jen's friends had blurbed the book and I was like, oh, well, if Kristen Arnett likes this book, then I will probably like it. Um, and I just loved it. So <laughs> I wish that she had a second one already. Um, yep. So that'll be the book I buy for everybody this year. <laughs> so every oh, year I do that yay. mom thing where I'm like, I read a book yay. I like, so everybody <laughs> gets a copy. <laughs> so yes, yeah, Sirens and Muses by Antonia Angres, and it's her debut novel and she's quite young. Um, and it's just what a gorgeous, um, if you mm. like the goldfinch, um, anything by Donna <laughs> Tart, or if you just like reading about like, the painterly process. Uh, she spends a lot of gorgeous detail talking about like um, the philosophy of art and like what it means yeah. to be an artist and just the procedural process of like painting and doing the underpainting and sitting in a studio. Like it's, it's great if you're into like the visual arts mm. um, and that ties into my second glad at, which is I've oh. been um, returning to visual art, which is something that like I'm I kind of pride myself in being kind of bad at because I'm a writer. <laughs> I'm not an artist. Um, but L bought me an easel. And Yay. so I'm going to start oh, painting nice. outside again. It's pink. Yeah. <laughs> it's pink Yay. and it's portable and it's meant for the outdoors. So, yeah, every evening I've been outside with it and I'm really happy to have a hobby that is not writing where I don't have to use my words. <laughs> Yay. So that's what I am glad at. What so, are you glad at, Chris? <laughs> well, not to sound like a feudal era peasant farmer, but <laughs> I, right. <laughs> I am glad at the return of the rains. Yay. Oh, we've just, we've just been through an abysmal heat wave here in well, the UK and elsewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> but, and just, when it first rained the other day, I just, I just ran outside and danced in the I rain. I did too. Oh, I stood outside. I like, yeah. <laughs> that you makes know, me so happy. Sometimes rain just does activate your genetic memory of your... Of yeah. your ancestors who just I discovered agriculture so. and they're like, come on, I need the rain to come so, I, so my, <laughs> my seeds will sprout. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> my, my sunflowers are starting to like flower now. Oh. And it's really nice. And my courgettes have just gotten ridiculously huge. Excellent. And, and I'm just so glad that, you know, I, I don't have to... I don't have to wear shorts and I don't want to anymore. And it's lovely. <laughs> Incredible. Amazing. <laughs> uh, and Elle, what are you glad at? Um, I'm going to be greedy. I had a lot of that I was mad and glad at this week. It's been a big week for feelings. Um, I am glad at, um, a couple of weeks ago, I took Chris with me, in fact, um, to go and yeah. see my friends play, uh, which was Macbeth the Musical. Um, <laughs> and it my was not Macbeth the Musical. <laughs> It was it Julius was, Caesar. Oh yeah, sorry, Julius Caesar the musical. <laughs> Macbeth is the other one that he does. He also does, he also does Macbeth the musical. Um, yeah, sorry, we saw Ju we saw Julius Caesar the musical. I'm confusing myself because I was talking to him about Macbeth the musical earlier today. Um, we went to see Julius Caesar the musical, and it was fantastic. It was so silly. Um, Chris had a great time as well, which was fantastic. <laughs> It opened with them singing tragedy. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pop culture, like like current songs with all the lyrics changed to make them tell the story, basically. It was great fun. My, uh, my favourite one was when they took like, Chicky Teeter by, um, and turned it into Mrs. Mrs. Caesar. Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Caesar, tell me what's wrong. <laughs> 
fantastic. <laughs> it was very, very silly. And my friend directed it. Um, so I was very pleased to go and support them. Um, my second glad at is I have recently uh, finally been watching um, some Studio Ghibli movies for yeah. the first time. And I've been really enjoying them. They are so sweet. I completely see what all the hype is about. They're very, they're very warm, fuzzy movies. They're just very like... They're very like, it's raining outside. You've had a bad day. You pour yourself a nice cup of tea and just like sit on the sofa and you do very kind of movies. They're very lovely. Really enjoying them. And my third one is I am glad at um, the D&D campaign that myself and Chris and producer Jake and Q play. Sorry, Eileen. Well, Eileen, you had your chance. You didn't come. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, I am <laughs> glad at our campaign because... Um, it's, we've been going on, or going on two years since we started it and it's been great fun and we're wrapping up towards the end and we played a session last night and our DM like gave us this weird, like bombshell, strange, like it's all coming together moment. And I really, really love playing it and I really, really love the group, but I'm especially glad at and appreciative for our DM, Joe. So shout out to Joe. Oh, he's Joe. Just, his ability to weave narrative. Yeah, it was, <laughs> he's, he's just so good at it and he makes it so fun and takes all our stupid, like, idiot story beats that we, like, shoehorn in that make zero sense <laughs> and manages to make them into something good, like, consistently. So I'm really glad at Joe and D&D. Joe! Joe! You've been so glad this week. I know, I've been what so glad. glad. Three whole glads. <laughs> Three whole glads. Look at me go. I've just been having a great time. I had, lads I, with I, the lads. I had about seven, but I, I wilt them down. <laughs> well so that's what we've been glad at and mad at (laughs) let us know what you've been mad at by tweeting at us at bohemiamag with the hashtag weoma or reply to our story sticker on instagram each week or just message us that's fine (laughs) and we'll read it out on next week's show if you liked the pod tell all your friends and be sure to rate and review us on apple podcasts follow us on instagram at bohemiamag and check out the magazine at bohemiamag magazine.com you can also follow all of us on twitter you can find me at sarah boshemia you can find me at eileen.net and it would be remiss if we did not remind everyone that you can follow q at it's sarah q the q like the line in old england (laughs) and chris what about you yeah chris who are you on twitter (laughs) you can find me at chris h93 on twitter which I always also, read as Krish. Krish. Yeah, Krish 93. <laughs> uh, you can also find me at lexicallunacy.wordpress.com. Ooh, where you'll find lovely poetry. Yeah, <laughs> mostly the, the month of March. Yeah. See the poems I wrote for every day of April. Yeah, and you see the poems I'm writing at the end of every month of 2022 Aww. to reflect on the month Aww. and how it was for me. Very pensive. It's a nice little project. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We'll link that in the description. It's great. I'm always so happy to read a poem. Read my article about about, um, persuasion and how much I And watch me (laughs) do some literary nerd ranting about Austin and romanticism (laughs) at the Bohemia Mag website. I've forgotten what the address is. You said it earlier. Bohemiamagazine.com. Yeah. Link in the description. Link in the description. As Q would say, link in the downstairs. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See you next time and stay mad. Bye. Bye.